Hi, and welcome to the Money Tips No One Told You podcast, presented by First Pioneers Federal Credit Union. Here at First Pioneers, we're passionate about helping not only our members, but our community becomes financially successful. That success often starts with basic knowledge, things like knowing how different account types work to understanding terminology, or even tips that make your life easier. The more you know, the more success you will have as you handle your money and your finances. Let's get started. Welcome everyone. My name's Heather. I'm with First Pioneers Federal Credit Union and today we're doing things a little bit differently on the podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. His name is Anthony Greco. He is the professor of economics at the Department of Economics and Finance. That is at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette and he has graciously agreed to be on today and talk to us about a couple of topics that I think are actually pretty important um, in this economy that we're in these days. And that is about inflation and about a recession. I know to a lot of people, those can be kind of scary words and obviously they affect our day-to-day lives. So Mr. Greco is here to help us understand some of this. Hi, Anthony, how are you doing? Oh, fine, thank you, how are you? I'm doing great. And I'm actually excited to talk about this. I'm hoping I learned some things too. I guess where we need to start is what is inflation and what causes it? Well, inflation uh, is the persistent overall increase in prices and average prices. And, uh, you know, we usually measure it over a year's time. So as we said, prices continue to rise over that period of time. And, uh, it's an average uh, price, of course. When we say a rate of inflation, whatever it is, it doesn't apply to every single good and product out there in the economy. It's just an average figure. As a matter of fact, that not to be too technical, but where it comes from is the so-called market basket of goods that the government assumes that the typical consumer will buy. And it's made up of several categories, but it's uh, 300 different products that they keep track of over a period of time and see what they're doing in terms of their prices. And uh, just to be a, a little more specific, it covers areas of you would expect housing, transportation, food. And by the way, housing and transportation are the two largest components of the uh, uh, inflation index that we look at. And of course, it also has personal insurance, healthcare, entertainment, education, and then an other category, miscellaneous category. And uh, the 300 products are readily available for inspection uh, if you go to the bls.gov website. Even though no one usually is too anxious to see what those 300 products are, but those are the major categories in which they fall. And uh, I mentioned housing is the major one that makes up the items under housing make up uh, about 32% of the uh, total uh, index that we usually call it the consumer price index. People have probably heard that term before. Uh, the cost of living index we, is another word we use for it. But again, it does apply to those 300 products, which are, are, can be taken out and changed and so on over time at the government's discretion. Okay? And whenever you have a uh, index, in this case, we call it the consumer price index, focusing on consumption spending, uh, you have to have a base year on which to uh, translate those indexes for all given years. And the base year, we can say essentially is 1982. And we can take a look at years before that, 
10 years after that and uh, see what it does. So we always have to kind of judge our rate of inflation in terms of what it was relative to the base year, if that hopefully makes sense. <laughs> but anyway, any index is, is always going to be uh, uh, reliant on establishing a, a place to start a base year. How is the base year determined? It's the government that does that at their discretion. I mean, that they'll take a look at the various years and see what activity has been going on. And if it's an outlier, they won't worry about it. But if it looks like it's a, a reasonably good year to use, they will. And in, I think they've even used, they actually do use 1982 through 1984. So it's a little complicated, uh, but they, you know, they keep a handle on it. And uh, uh, we can always, as I said, we can change 1982 for our purposes uh, uh, as a base year. I guess. 1982 seems like so long ago, but I guess you probably have yeah. a before well, and an after. Be, yeah, they, 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 they've adjusted it over time. It used to be 1957 for many years and then and so on. So, uh, you know, one of these days when they think it's appropriate, they'll uh, they'll change it. Okay, that's fascinating. I, I honestly did not know that's how um, okay. the consumer price index was made up. Right. Yeah. Like I say, you usually don't think in terms of what they, but again, those are the major categories and, you know, all of your spending really kind of comes under that umbrella, especially when you throw in that last one of other goods and services, that miscellaneous categories. And that's only about 7% anyway, typically. And those percentages will pretty much stay the same. And when you think about it, the uh, housing with 32%, uh, I've always kind of used that as a gauge. You probably don't want to put any more than 30 your income into house payments. So that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's a good number. That's a very good point absolutely the place you want to stay and it right. does make sense too when we're seeing inflation people will use the term it's across the board and i guess when you are considering 300 um products that it is across the board literally now i do want to emphasize that of course uh, no government number or any government statistic or any uh, non-government statistics going to be perfect you know there are going to be imperfections uh there are going to be some, uh, you know, based on certain assumptions and based on certain data availability and things change over time. And that's what addresses uh, it to your question. You said about do they, uh, how do they determine that? Well, they're looking at things in time. Over time, they've taken out some products from that 300 because they're no longer there or no longer popular and added new products. For instance, these days, you'd be adding a lot of more technological products that, you know, and things that would go along with uh, people's lifestyles. Right, right. Okay. So I guess it, it would be reasonable to assume that at some point in the future, they will move that year sort of up right. closer to the year we're in I now. Yeah, I would certainly think so. That's fascinating. What causes inflation to happen? Yeah. Well, basically, you know, we define it sometimes those catch-all phrases like it's uh, uh, too much money chasing too few goods or demand exceeds supply, though the technical terms. But uh, uh, that's what we call it, uh, I guess, the first and most prominent the cause of inflation we say is demand pull p-u-l-l inflation demand is rising faster than we our capacity to produce and so it raises prices if, it, if anybody can visualize in their mind a, a diagram where there's a downward sloping demand curve or line and an upward sloping supply line where they intersect we have equilibrium and there'll be a certain price see that's going to uh, when, when the demand increases or goes out to the right and supply doesn't do very much, then it's going to pull those prices up. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's demand pull inflation. Mm -hmm. When the, the economy is really heated up and the consumers, and we know these days, you know, there's somebody uh, 
goods and services out there and so many amenities that people want to have the technological games and and devices and so on so and we live in you know an advanced society and advanced economy and people you know want to get the latest and the greatest and so demand is usually going to be a, a, at a fairly robust level it's going to pull prices up so that's the major reason now another important reason what we call it coming from the other side we talk about demand you know coming the buying side well the cost side would be what this what supply is all about it costs suppliers or producers something to produce goods and uh you know it we get this thing called cost push inflation p-u-s-h cost push so demand pulls in one direction and cost pushes in the other see so if business firms uh, prices go up uh, it costs them more to produce. They're going to have to raise their prices. And uh, that can be illustrated by, if you just think in terms of a, uh, a labor union negotiating with a, a, a manager or management firm, uh, they're going to bargain for higher wages. And that's going to come from the supply side. That it is really typically the biggest expense that a business firm will have will be their wages and benefits and things like that to their workers, be it unionized or non-unionized. Eh? And so that is going to be a major cost for, uh, uh, for business firms. And then, of course, at the cost of energy, let's kind of not forget about that. Yeah, that's, a, that's a major factor, certainly, and is playing a big role these days in inflation. Uh, energy and uh, other uh, inputs uh, that the uh, firm has to use, what resources or things they put together to get some output. If those things go up in high price, labor, uh, materials, and uh, energy, in various forms, then their costs go up and they have to push up their prices. So those are the two major uh, causes of inflation. So a lot of us are struggling with our pocketbooks right now, you know, trying to make ends meet because, you know, you may get a raise at work, but then you find it sort of eaten up by all these rising costs. Um, exactly. Do you have any suggestions of what people might could do to sort of help their personal finances during a time like this? Well, first of all, you know, the money you get in your salary, whatever it is, we call it uh, money uh, income or nominal income. And that's been going up, uh, admittingly, but uh, the problem is inflation has been going up even faster. And so we get the real essence of how well you off, off you are would be what we call real income, emphasizing what you can really do with that income. See? So if you take your money income and divide it by the rate of inflation, the CPI, you get your real income. And of course, if you just picture that, that numerator up there is your money income, and that might be going up, say 5% or whatever, but the denominator underneath there is the price level, the CPI, that's going up 8 9%, then you're really losing purchasing power. See? That real income is that denominator goes up, is going to fall okay? and so that's why you know sometimes people don't realize that but i think they're getting more and more recognizing that money income oh hey we're doing okay and sometimes some government uh, people will tell oh the money income is going up but that's only half the picture see it's what you can buy with that money income the real income what can you translate it into how many pounds of margarine how many you know uh, 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 groceries and things you can buy them people are noticing of course they're not buying as many groceries if they had a fixed budget to begin with, that's not going as far. They have to increase that budget or, or uh, what they might do to uh, uh, help deal with inflation, of course, is to make some substitutions. Eh? And, you know, maybe don't buy the the, the best brand, you know, maybe buy the, the store brands. Eh? It's a little bit cheaper, maybe 10 cents a pound or 10 cents a box, whatever the case might be. So you're saving a little bits here and there, but it does add up over time because, you know, that's, that's a major expense, you know, and people have to go to the grocery store quite often, uh, you know, probably every week 
to replenish the basics and then to get other things. Eh? And so, and then you can also substitute, a lot of people have done this too, uh, stop eating the steak and eat the ground meat and eat the chicken and uh, uh, things like this take less uh, uh, entertainment uh, uh, outings, you know, go to the movies or stay home and watch TV or, or rent a movie or uh, take shorter vacations or no vacation. I know people have done this, you know? And uh, so they're, they're making subs. And you do this, uh, of course, on an ongoing basis. And you probably have to cut further and further as you go back there, as long as the inflation persists. And as long as your income is not rising as fast as the price level, then you're going to find that you'll have uh, some options. Now, you may reach a point where you have, you've cut to the bone. You can't do any more. But if you keep thinking about it, uh, you, maybe we don't need this. Maybe we don't need that. Maybe we can eat less uh, ice cream and you know things like that. So people can make it. That's going to vary from person to person, depending on your income and, and so on and so forth. And the number of people in the family that kind of thing, but you can make adjustments. It's called substitution, you know? And uh, so if you would do that on a continuing basis and a prudent basis, you set up a budget and you'll have to probably revise that budget downward as long as the inflation persists. You know, it, it's just a, a matter of uh, keeping on top of it. And it's not an easy process. And uh, some people have trouble with it, that's for sure. Uh, and I hate to say, you know, it, it substitute lower quality food, like, you know, like hot dogs and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it does have nutritional value. It does have some calories. It does have, uh, you know, some stuff that'll keep you going. And so maybe on a temporary time period, the temporary time period, you won't have to, you won't be able to eat as, like, go out less, of course. Eating out, of course, is a double whammy. It costs money, of course. You can eat cheaper at home. Plus, you can't usually eat as healthy at, at, out when you're eating, unless you're eating at home. So I'd, I'd say buy more vegetables, although they're not cheap either, but uh, in fruit and whatnot, uh, have some meals without meat, you know, things like that. You can have uh, good nutritional values and, uh, you know, consult uh, nutritionists and, and websites and things like that. They have a lot of good ideas about meals that uh, will go a long way and maybe you cook a big uh, portion of something and eat it a couple of three times a week. It doesn't sound as exciting, you know, uh, it's so nice to have all the variety of stuff and uh, that we have in our society, but uh, sometimes you just have to you know, tighten the belt. Right, right. Actually, um, the last episode before this one was actually talking about budgeting and kind of mistakes that people make and, and how yeah. to fix them. And one thing I'm noticing when, when you're talking about this, and I think what sometimes people don't consider is as you as you tighten your belt and you kind of stop doing things like going out and and you know buying the the sort of lower price products and whatnot then that's also going to have a trickle effect to those industries you right. know restaurants may suffer more because right. they're exactly yeah so it's all tied together we, we just you know we uh, we are cause and effect i guess you know, things happen to us and we make things happen in the other direction and of course you know we've had uh with that lockdown, we had a lot of restaurants and businesses went out of business and have not come back. And so that also tends to put a clamp, uh, uh, probably should have mentioned this before, I was talking about the supply side, uh, it put a clamp on a, a lot of uh, availability of products. And so then we know that the supply chain right now is still disrupted and uh, things like that. So that that means supply was moving back, you know, and cutting down. And when, when that supply gets reduced, that also tends to put pressure on price. So that's another factor we can say that that cost push thing, that uh, extended uh, uh, supply crunch that we've had. Yeah, it it truly does affect everything. And I think a lot of times when we're you know, we're in our homes just trying to make ends meet or adjust that budget or whatever. And um, sometimes you don't think about just how deep all this goes and how much it affects and, and how it's all tied together. 
how do you stop inflation? How do you slow this down? Well, uh, you know, you could have a situation where the uh, reduce the uh, supply of money. The Federal Reserve could do that, and that would tend to drive interest rates up and so on, and it tends to cut back on spending. See, so that would tend to affect that demand side, and uh, so that would put a break on it in that respect. The other thing would be is if we could uh, finally, uh, you know, uh, have some of those businesses come back and uh, we could take away some of the restraints that we've had on uh, uh, energy and things like that and uh, uh, loosen that supply chain, make the supply chain uh, work a little better for us and things like that. So it's, it's really from both sides, see, trying to demand, decrease demand, getting people, of course, and people are doing it automatically anyway. I mean, they, like I say, they're driving less, using cheaper types of gas and whatnot. So that, that, that's cut, uh, cutting back on demand. So that puts, takes the pressure off of the demand pull inflation. And if we can get the supply chain going back and uh, uh, and uh, take some of the restraints, regulations off of uh, energy production and so on, that will uh, give some relief, much relief on the supply side. So the supply can increase. And then also, when that increases, that'll put lower pressure on price. So reducing demand and increasing supply, in effect, you know, in a, in a general sort of statement, is what happens. And then specifically, we're talking about uh, taking away government regulations, probably uh, lowering taxes. It's not a good idea to uh, raise taxes, you know, when you already have people struggling and you always have already have recession. So lowering taxes, lowering regulation. Regulation costs money, no matter if it's good or bad regulation. See, it always costs money. See, it imposes additional requirements on business firms, and they have to hire additional people and fill out different reports and go to different meetings, and you have to employ uh, more bureaucracy to enforce it, and so on and so forth. So it's a costly thing. And I won't say all regulation is bad, but there's a lot of it that we probably can do without and uh, uh, will tend to reduce costs. And so that would be another factor in there. Thank you for joining us today for our discussion about inflation with Mr. Greco. And we hope you'll come back next time as we continue our discussion, this time on the topic of recession. In the meantime, join us for our employee spotlight segment here at First Pioneers, we're a big family and we want you guys to get to know our family. And today I have Tammy joining me. Welcome, Tammy. Hi, thanks for having me, Heather. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I tell you what, why don't you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Okay, my name is Tammy. Um, I've been with First Pioneers for a little over two years now. Great company. I love it. I've, I've never worked for a place like this. It feels like home. That's awesome. We're glad you're here. Okay, let's start with your question. So what's your hobby? Uh, my hobby is cutting grass. Really? I, yes, I got the nickname Bobby Boucher because he was always on the lawnmower. Um, I cut my sister's grass. Um, my neighbor's grass and then my grass. I just love the, love the outdoors and the smell of grass. I think it takes me back to my childhood when I grew up on a shrimp boat. That is really neat. I love the smell of fresh cut grass too. Okay. Next question. What's something on your bucket list? Uh, I only have two things left on my bucket list now. My wonderful husband done fulfilled two of those things. I had right. four originally. Um, one is to visit Loretta Lynn's ranch in Tennessee. Oh, wow. And the other one is to go to Alaska to see the Northern Lights. Oh, 
those both sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you get to do both of them. <laughs> well, in fact, for uh, our daughter, our youngest child's graduation, uh, we're planning an Alaskan cruise as a gift for her and also us. <laughs> Oh, that will be beautiful. Oh, I can't wait to hear all about it. Okay. Um, so let's go with your last question. Last but not least, how do you define success? I define success. Um, it comes from my parents. They taught me to be honest, uh, work hard, love God, and just be the best person you can be. And then your light will shine on everything else. That is wonderful advice. Thank you so much. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for being here today. We've glad, we're glad you were here to visit with us and we've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And for everybody listening, stay tuned next time for another Spotlight. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. And we hope this episode helped you feel more confident in your financial journey. If you need further information or would like to check out the blog version of this podcast, you can do that on our website, firstpioneers.com. You can also find a video version on our YouTube channel at First Pioneers FCU. We'll make sure those links are in the show notes. As always, we're here to help in any way that we can. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.